and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? I'm excited about something. Uh, okay. Which uh, I think I, I get excited about certain things a lot. What I don't get excited about that much anymore, and I've talked about it for years in this podcast, is movies, like particular movies. Mm-hmm. I love movies. They're like after like they have their moments <laughs> after like my wife and family and pets like the living things that are closest to me sure movies are the most important thing in my life i love movies in general okay specific movies i think i've been burned too many times and i don't tend to get excited for movies anymore okay which is part of why i don't watch trailers anymore okay you know they just tend to jump up excitement that movies tend to not yeah, uh, yeah not live up to but i have watched the trailer since the last time. Oh, we look at you. Because man of the people, there's a movie coming out that I'm so excited about that. I couldn't bear to not see the trailer. Is this going to infuriate me? I don't know. All right. Cause I want to know what you feel about it. Cause I'm looking, it's a sequel to a movie and I'm looking at, I think you have the original over there. The movie that's coming out is called Huntsman winter's war. Or the Huntsman, Winter's War. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, and I am Should've over the moon coming. with excitement about this movie. And the trailer did not disappoint. It's full of uh, badass uh, moments and visual splendor. And uh, I, I want to know, are you... As someone, now, I don't think you were as big a defender of Snow White and the Huntsman as I was. No, but, but I, did, that I did, did like it all. got the DVD over there. Do I? Uh, yeah. Hang on a second. When did that happen? Well, that's that, regular Snow White. That's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Oh, is it? That's the Disney Snow White. You're I right. do not own it. I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. But I did I did really like it, and, and I thought it had a really great visual style, and I enjoyed that Charlize Theron quite a bit. Yes, and she's and she's back uh, right. in, in Winter's War, along with, obviously, um, Thor. Uh, yeah. Christopher Hemsworth is in it. Um, but new additions, okay. uh, Emily Blunt. Yeah. Always, yeah, always a good idea. And Jessica Chastain. Which is, this is the next thing I wanted to talk about. Well, so I wanted to take your temperature on whether or not you were excited about uh, Winter's War uh, or not. I, I would venture to say, and I'm, David, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't really care that much. <laughs> uh, it could be great. And I'm worried that it's a different director, but they couldn't, they couldn't trust Rupert Sanders again yeah. after he... He might sweep Chris Hemsworth <laughs> off his feet. <laughs> Who's to say? Like break up another marriage. Um... <laughs> Well, I guess his was the marriage that got broken up. Oh, yeah, all right. Um, but he did break up America's Sweethearts, uh, Christian he Stewart did. and Robert Pattinson. <laughs> um, Do you find yourself, and here's, okay, I know this being is directed, not the, the new one is being directed by a first-time uh, featured director. That might that could be great or terrible. Um, um, or just he, so-so. But he was the second unit director on Snow White and the Huntsman. Um, so here, here's a, a question, and this... I don't like to subscribe to celebrity culture uh, that much, or even the the, I, the idea that celebrities are di- are different than we are. Certainly, the, their lives can be different. It's uh-huh. certainly once they become movie stars and celebrities and stuff. But what fascinates me uh, about my own reaction to things is when I found out about the director of Snow White and the Huntsman, whose name escapes me. Rupert Sanders. Rupert Sanders. He and Kristen Stewart. Uh-huh. Canoodling. Canoodling. Among other yeah. things. Yeah. And fucking. They were also fucking. Yeah. <laughs> with, a, with a canoodle. <laughs> um, it was really kinky what they were doing. And so that's one of those things, like in a pool, right? A pool noodle. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the thing that gets me is that, like, 
my first thought is Kristen Stewart. You had Robert Pattinson. Uh-huh. You look, directors are all well and good, and I'm sure he's a nice guy. But you had, you know, heart heartthrob Robert Pattinson. Why would you give that up? Why would you risk that? <laughs> and it's just like I don't know. Yeah, you don't know what to think about. He could be a horrible asshole or a perfectly nice person. And she just, you know, made the, it it was a lapse in judgment as we all have from time to time. Um, But I just, I, suddenly that idea of, yeah, you don't say no to Robert Pattinson. (laughs) I wouldn't say no to Robert Pattinson. (laughs) Look, I think they're both probably perfectly nice people. uh, Our pets in case do. And I think, uh, don't care for that. they, They weren't right for each other, but also not right for Kristen Stewart, probably the director who was 20 years older than her, who was already married. Right. Um, but again, I'm not, uh, I am not blaming anyone here. No, it's, I don't uh, think uh, everyone's entitled to the decisions yeah. that they make. And they're also in the case of Rupert Sanders, uh, the, I guess now divorced Rupert Sanders yes. entitled to live with the consequences of the decisions. Yeah. And I don't mean to say it in like, like I'm speaking kind of broadly and facetiously. I'm not even thinking about Kristen Stewart as a person. I'm not even really picturing her. I'm picturing, okay, let's see here. It's like, come on on one side, you've got old married Rupert Sanders. Uh-huh. And all his old married ways uh-huh. and all the baggage that comes with it. That's on one hand. Uh-huh. On the other side, you've got dreamy, beautiful Robert Pattinson and single and committed to you, Robert Pattinson. Come on. And, you know, it's uh, and everyone's going to hate you on top of everything else. Like, I can't imagine. I have to assume like just teen teen girls and boys all over the place. We're furious at Kristen sure. Stewart for this. And so, probably at Rupert Sanders. And what was that? And probably at Rupert Sanders. Probably. Too. Yes. Yes. He probably got uh, a lot of it. But just the idea, I like the idea of, I don't know, just, just feeling like this Rupert Sanders guy, he, <laughs> there must be something to him for, for him to pull her away from gorgeous twinkling, Oh, so now he's got this aura of mystery to you. No question. What is he? Do you remember uh, Andy Barker, P.I., second episode? Okay. Where it starts with Andy and a client named Guy something or other who is like, he's like 400 pounds. They're going golfing. And on the green, this client is smoking a giant stogie and eating a comically large sandwich. And then he... uh, he has a heart attack and dies and you think that the, that the show is going to, it's going to zig. It's going to make a bunch of fat jokes and stuff Uh like that. But instead it goes the other way. And every person that has ever met this man finds him so attractive. They can't like his wife says, Hey, when I married him, I knew I was making a deal with the devil. (laughs) You know, I knew that, that everyone was going to be attracted to him. And then Andy's own wife said, said like, he was, it's like, yeah, when he came into the office, when we worked at so-and-so, I would make sure that I was dressed up a little bit, but it just everybody. <laughs> and then, and Andy is just so he perpetually confused. And he's like, I mean, he kind of smelled too. And then his wife's like, those are called pheromones, Andy. And he was lousy with them. <laughs> and just, and so there, there's this aura of like, man, what? what is this Rupert Sanders guy? And I don't know what he looks like. It'd be hilarious if he was, if he had like one arm, 350 (laughs) pounds, a a lazy eye and just 
but there's just something to them. Okay. Um, this is not where I expected to I'm go sorry. with this conversation. I'm sorry. Um, so that's your opinion on Snow White and the Huntsman. But to move on yeah, to Winter's War, one of the things that I'm most, uh, um, what's the word, intrigued by is that I feel like you could make the argument that I'm wrong, but I feel like heretofore, up till now, Ooh. Jessica Chastain has avoided being in blockbuster type of franchise type stuff. I mean, she's been in big budget stuff like interstellar and crimson peak sure. and stuff, but has she done one of these kind of like tent polish effects, heavy, uh, uh, blockbuster type movies before. Is this her first foray into this kind of popcorn fair? I, th- Gosh, I think so. I'm kind of um, glad that, uh, or it makes me think more like it's almost like you like talking about what, what, what do people see in Rupert Sanders? Yeah. Like, I wonder what's going on with this screenplay. Yeah. That Jessica Chastain She's like, I'll be in the second film. That's <laughs> right. what I want. Um, yeah, no question about it. So that's definitely another reason I'm very, uh, very intrigued yeah. by the movie. I will almost certainly be disappointed and I'm okay with that. Okay. Um, because it's a sequel and it's a different director. So that's generally not <laughs> a recipe for success. You know what? I'll throw this out there. Cause I saw the trailer when I saw the, uh, most recent hunger games film. I think I'm excited to the degree that I'm excited for the film. I think I'm excited despite the trailer because the, the, the action, the, the cadence of the trailer is kind of a standard and you don't know this cause you don't watch a lot of trailers. <laughs> you know, I watch trailer. I've okay. seen enough trailers though. Uh, but just like when you see the blockbusters and stuff, and then they're setting up, here's the latest action type of thing. Uh, the guys at red letter media actually cut together what these trailers are like, Uh um, (laughs) using trailers and you realize, Oh yeah, there's just one, there's one guy and it's just paint by numbers. And, and I think the, the Huntsman trailer falls into that, but the first film got so much credibility with me. But if you look past the structure of this hunt of this winner's war trailer yeah. and you see what the movie looks like and who's in it yeah. and how they're behaving, you can get an act, a, a sense of hopefully yeah. what to look forward to. Um, and maybe I'm just being, you know, rosy eyed here because I want it to be good, but I feel like it, what I'm seeing looks nice. Yeah. And also there's the fact that, I mean, you mentioned the, that you saw it at the hunger games movie. The hunger games is over now. And now, uh, as much as, uh, even though this movie is called the Huntsman winter's war, mm-hmm. it's clear by the, the trailer makes it clear that like the three women in the cast are as much, if not more <laughs> driving the story. And it's good to have, uh, I'm looking forward to another, um, female driven, uh, potential action, uh, fantasy sci-fi, not sci-fi, but action fantasy, uh, franchise. And it's, and it takes all three of them to to add up to one Kristen Stewart, I think. You know. <laughs> well, no, I think just Ches- Jessica Chastain is the Kristen Stewart. Oh, okay. Right? Because she's the she's the good it's the good guys are Jessica Chastain and Chris Hemsworth okay. and the bad guys are only Blunt and Charlie Theron. Okay. From what right. I understand. Okay. I just mean as a from a screen time standpoint, it's oh no, Kristen Stewart left. All right. We, we 
one actress cannot fill these shoes as far as the the role of oh a, right. a, a female presence. No, see, we got to get like give me Emily Blunt, get me Jessica Chastain. So you've got Jessica Chastain filling the Kristen Stewart role, right? And you've got Emily Blunt fear, feeling that creepy albino guy role. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the creepy albino guy from uh, the first one? Yes, vaguely I know, but you know what's who's in uh, Legend? By the way, what is that? What is his name? Uh, I forget. But I, yes, re- I, remember. I, I saw Legend and I was like, what do I know that guy from? And I was like, oh, no wonder I didn't recognize him. He looks like a normal human being in yeah. Legend. I have more of a, I don't remember much Not about the characters. don't look like human beings. This guy in particular, they made him creepy. I don't want to sound like I'm like throwing all people who uh, have, you know, a lack of pigmentation let's, let's, into a barrel and marking them inhuman. Let's, let's, let's put, let's, let's look at it this way. Sam Sproul is his name. Yeah, that doesn't sound familiar to me. Uh, the film was using him as a very specific, they were using an albino or they, they were creating an albino yeah. character specifically not. so that you would have uh, the reaction that this character is otherworldly because so, while, uh, or, or at least unusual or something like that. So um, our, our le- now here is or, Hollywood as I like say less than, you know, uh, so Hollywood is doing a great long-term disservice to the unpigmented in our population. Right. Absolutely. Let's, let's torch like, the whole place. Like they're doing the okay. Ground. Like more and more, I feel like they're, they're, they're having more projects for black people, but now they're, if you go, they're going very much the other way. That's where they're taking like, now, the black roles from. They're taking them from the, <laughs> all right, this is stupid. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, do we have any bills to pay? Uh, we do. And I'm sure they love coming right after, uh, talking about, you know, powder. Um, okay. <laughs> so the powder, like, it's funny that like, okay, well, powder was different cause he didn't have hair. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. His, his mother, I believe was struck by lightning when he was in the womb. Okay. But the, like the nerve that is touched by mention of powder has nothing to do with albino or alopecia or anything. Okay. It's the fact that it was directed by a convicted child molester. I don't think I knew that. Who is that? Really? No, it's like a whole weird thing where he like years before that had like been convicted and somehow set off no alarms in directing this movie with children in it. Wow. Well, perhaps he paid his debt to society and there and the, and the producers like, you know what? We're going to give this guy a chance. If I had to guess, I'd say they didn't know. Um, yeah, somehow they didn't know. Wow. That's the first I've heard of this. Admittedly, I don't go looking for powder trivia, but uh, usually, <laughs> yeah. Here, okay. as is the case with anything powder related, the fact hits me when I'm not looking for it. Here is the opening paragraph of Victor Salva's Wikipedia. Oh, Victor Salva. Yeah, his. Wiki- oh, that's Jeepers Creepers guy. Yes, his Wikipedia page. The opening paragraph has three sentences. Victor Ronald Salva is an American film director. Well, that's one. Okay. Number two, he is best known for directing the films Powder and Jeepers Creepers. Okay. Number three. He is a convicted sex offender. <laughs> I think they kind of buried the lead there. I feel like they should have led with that. This guy is a conv- convicted sex offender. Oh, and I guess if you're interested, he also directed a couple of movies. <laughs> little, a little asterisk there yeah. in the life of Victor Salva. Yeah. Um, okay. Now we're definitely. We, we literally made it worse. We actually made it worse. I'm so sorry well, to I our sponsors. We're coming out against child molestation sure i think 
our I don't usually like uh, when you speak for me, but yes. Uh, but our sponsors can probably get behind that. I, I think anti-child molestation is probably something that sponsors are going to be pretty happy to be associated with. Yes, probably. However, I was saying it kind of jokingly a moment ago, but what about the argument that he was convicted? He served his time or whatever it is. I don't know if he did. Did he serve time? I assume he would have to, you know, he, uh, he paid his debt to society. So he uh, sentenced to three years, served 15 months. Doesn't seem like quite, I don't know the details, but that doesn't seem like quite long enough for child molestation. I, I don't know. Um, I have opinions on that. But the... Uh, but no, yeah, I, look. You know, I, there's the idea. It's a, should he never have a career? I'm, I'm with you. I, I believe that our prison system should be geared far more towards rehabilitation mm-hmm. than punishment. And so, it's. I mean, it's to, to a different extent. It's the same reason I said, of course, Michael Vick should be allowed to come back and play in the NFL. Sure. Uh, because he served his his debt and we can until given reason to believe otherwise we can assume that he is uh sorry and has made amends for sure. strangling dogs if nothing el- oh boy uh if nothing else <laughs> strangling dogs this episode is brought to you by <laughs> now um if anything I, it would appear you and i have an issue with uh branding um, uh-huh. just like, come on, I don't know what studios <laughs> released powder or uh, Jeepers Creepers, but come on guys, do your research. Like you need to, do you want, maybe, I don't know, maybe the, like there's a card at the end of the movie or at the end of uh, the credits that says, we understand and we are giving this guy another chance. Right. So, yeah. uh, did he do Jeepers Creepers too? I think that was somebody else. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that was, okay. uh, apparently there's a Jeepers Creepers three in the works. Oh, all right. Do you see, for the, did you see any of those? I haven't seen any of them. No. That first one, I'll say this, that first one for 40 minutes is great. Okay. Before they reveal the monster physically and it's just, he's driving around this greasy old truck. Then it's just basically dual, but it's real. it's done really well. Okay. Um, and, uh, Eileen Brennan is in it for, uh, like four minutes but she's awesome she's like a crazy cat lady who uh wields a shotgun nice but okay and he did do both of them okay all right all right good good place to get into the sponsors here here's the thing about that second one okay you know what okay no we can't do it i got i i don't that's going to take us down a bad path so a worse path um yeah sorry oh i'm so sorry sponsors but you know what you're gonna you're going to love that you sponsored this episode when you see what we have in store. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of half-assed. All right. <clears throat> this episode is brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $4.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. And there is also a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. You can try Mubi free for a month. Just go to Mubi.com, that's M-U-B-I.com, slash Battleship to redeem now. This episode is also brought to you by the Movie Meltdown podcast. So we've talked a lot over the last few weeks about the special guests featured on Movie Meltdown. Uh, but more than anything, they also they wanted us to hit that... Uh, talk about their regular hosts and the 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 usual dynamic of the show so from week to week they have a variety of uh, co-hosts and different perspectives each episode offers you a little something different while maintaining the same style insight and humor of the larger podcast 
from superhero movies to William Faulkner adaptations, from old movie theaters to SpongeBob SquarePants, the folks over at Movie Meltdown cover it all. So go to MovieMeltdown.com or click on the ad at BattleshipPretension.com to hear some really great movie talk. And I want to tell you about TweakedAudio.com, which is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great, and they sound great, and we use them. And they're available at a low, low price over at TweakedAudio.com. But if you uh, put in some extra effort and at checkout enter the offer code PRETENSION, you'll get one-third off those already low, low prices and no shipping charges. That's TweakedAudio.com, offer code PRETENSION. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. We're right in the midst of the holiday season. Right. We're recording this mere days after Thanksgiving, right? which is the kickoff of the holiday season as we generally refer to it, as the using the holidays as yeah. a metonym for thanksgiving through new year's would you say is that those are the holidays yeah yeah i think so and you know uh i don't mean to comment on culture but uh at this point it would appear the holidays starts november 1st like once halloween is done people will put you know stores and stuff will put uh christmas decorations up they will they'll pipe in christmas music and you know what and here's the thing do you feel like i i mean I am torn on that. I mean, I personally, I feel like that is, uh, I don't like that because I feel like it dilutes the power of the, of the season. Sure. And of Thanksgiving, Uh, especially. Um, yes. But on the other hand, I also don't have the energy or investment to fight it the way that some people like spend a lot of time going. It's too early. Uh, I, I don't get angry about that. Uh, I was, I was like that for a long time until this year. And I just thought, well, I'm probably not, I'm not going to put up Christmas decorations until after Thanksgiving. But if, the, but you know what, if the culture wants to do this, they're just like, fine, that's, you know, I enjoy Christmas music. If it happens to be playing, I enjoy uh, a lot of the iconography of Christmas. If it happens to be at the target where I shop, right? So be it. Or just on your everyday Starbucks cup. <laughs> <laughs> You know what's interesting about I'm that? I'm not letting that go. That's a weird thing to jump yeah, into. But it's so funny to do, me. Do you know what's interesting to me about that Starbucks thing is, uh, I believe a spokesperson for Starbucks came out and said that the plan was they were going to have the snowflakes and the, just the, the most gene- generic iconography right. on the Starbucks cup. Once, cr- once the actual Christmas season kicked in, they were sort of, they did those red cups as a way of sort of as a visual clue uh, or a clue, a visual indicator to customers that we're getting there. We're almost uh-huh. there. And, uh, people were angry that they just, so they had a plan in mind <laughs> and people were like, no, we want it now. Yep. Invariably, probably the same people that say, no, wait until after Thanksgiving for the rest of the stuff. But, um, but no, it's uh, part of me just, 
I fought it, and then I thought, well, you know what? Uh, retail culture at least wants me to be celebrating Christmas, so you know what? I'm going to. I like Christmas, <laughs> and I'll celebrate it now. And you like being a consumer. I do. Yeah. I enjoy... Uh, do I enjoy being... A- yeah, I think so. I like going to Target. I was at Target today. I um, Do you have... I don't know. You and I have different... Um, come from uh, different political stances. Do you ever feel bad for spending more time at target or on amazon.com than, um, you know, privately owned or, you know, community, uh, vendors, <laughs> businesses, small businesses. Well, if those businesses want to start carrying Atkins shakes, uh, then maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll buy them <laughs> if they want to, you know, like, yeah, you should go. Well, there's a place in North Hollywood. It's called low carb. You, I didn't know that like yeah. university, uh, I guess that is what it is. Or okay. maybe it's supposed to be a low carb. You yourself, this low carb. Welcome and you- to the new low carb <laughs> time. Low carb. I don't and know if you. it's still there. Actually. It's like a place that is, um, mostly does online sales, but you can go there and buy stuff and you're essentially oh, going to their warehouse. It's over by the, the North Hollywood Ralph's oh, yeah, okay. uh, like at Magnolia and Vineland. Uh, and yeah, they have all, all sorts of, uh, weird stuff like that. See, and that's, and that I might shop there. Depends on what their prices are. Right. Uh, you know, and, and I, I, I love mom and pop stores. Uh, I, whenever I, especially if it's like a bookstore or something like that yeah. and you walk in, it's like, Oh, this is so quaint. I, and I will almost, anytime I walk into a mom and pop, a mom and pop bookstore, I will usually buy a book. Even if I like, I don't read anymore, um, <laughs> but I'll do it on principle. And so bookstores to go to bookstores and comic. I, I, I don't buy my comics from Amazon or from, um, any big sort of online thing. I go to, right. uh, my comic book store. Right. Uh, and I buy my comic books there. Um, but I do feel like I went to target today cause you know what I needed? I needed boxers and undershirts I needed okay. some boxers and some V-neck undershirts. And I wanted, you know, to get a bunch of them fairly cheap. And as it turns out, pick up a $5 Blu-ray of the Hurt Locker on my way out the door. There you go. <laughs> um, and uh, I do have some guilt over that. Like, maybe I should just be going to, but I don't even know. I don't even know where I would go to buy boxers and their shirts from. Uh, <laughs> With some Blu-rays as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's the thing is when it, often what it comes right down to for me is a weird conversation to be having, but like is. I think this is, is a germane to the holiday conversation. Sure. Uh, is the idea of, well, you know what I, it's, it's like, well, I went to target and you know what I needed a variety of things Yeah, right. and I didn't yeah. feel like driving around. I didn't feel like paying for the gas and that sort of thing. And I, and I feel terrible about that when it comes to mom and pop places, there are no mom and pop department stores. Yeah. You know, there are no big box mom and pop places. I would, I wish there were, uh, but as it happens, like, there is something to be said for, I, I view, okay, this is going to sound super stupid. Okay. Um, I view target as a kind of embassy, um, <laughs> where no matter where it is in the country uh-huh. or it, it yeah, I'll, there'll be parts of Los Angeles that I'm like really unfamiliar with. Um, but if I see a target, my first thought is I, I will, like if I need to use a bathroom or something like that, it's like a target. Uh-huh. I know what the bathrooms are going to be like. Yeah. I know if there's anything else I need there, I have a general idea of where it's going to be. Yeah. And, uh, and so I walk in and it's like, all right, 
I might not be familiar with the neighborhood, but I'm comfortable here. I, yet I'm, I'm among, among my people somehow. I, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Because yeah, yeah. Target people, they're a special breed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's what sucks is that the bigger the chains, the more they can afford to cut prices. Yeah. And that's why, you know, the idea of going to a locally owned like market or grocery store is like, well, what am I, a millionaire? <laughs> like, yeah, I have to go to Trader Joe's because if I'm going to eat for a week, yeah. like I'm going to have to pay Trader Joe's, Trader Joe's prices. I can't yeah. like buy everything at the farmer's market or whatever. I, I do, lo- for example, and I know it's not a small company or anything, but I really love the products of American Apparel. Oh yeah. You know, t-shirts, boxers, whatever. Uh, but I can't be spending no 30 bucks for a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. It's really comfortable stuff. Yeah. Uh, I haven't been in one in a while. All right. Uh, let's talk about, let's get into it. Indeed. You brought up a movie and like not just at the holidays, mm-hmm. but you wanted to talk about an actual holiday related movie topic. If you can imagine. Yeah. I was talking about movies half an hour into the show. And it reminds me, oh boy. Uh, and it, yeah, we talked about Huntsman and then immediately veered off into, uh, other things. So, um, yeah. Okay. So uh, this came from uh, a number of, a number of things. So, so I went home, uh, for Thanksgiving. You know what? That's weird to say. I don't, yeah, view, I don't not, view Missouri as my home. This no, is my I don't, home. Yeah. Um, but, you uh, have lived here longer than you've lived any other one place, right? That's true. Yeah. I've, I'm coming up on, uh, on nine years, which is crazy to think about. I just passed 10 back in September. Look at you. Yeah. Very exciting. But because um, I lived in St. Louis for, yeah. Uh, 17 years of my life. Uh, I, I still have quite a ways to go before this is the place I've lived more than. Yeah, I've I've lived in Los Angeles more than any other place by at this point a wide margin. Up until uh, up until now, uh, six years has been where uh, where things top out. But anyway, um, so I went back to Missouri, and uh, a lot of family members were there. It's the biggest Thanksgiving I've had with my family for mm-hmm. quite a while, and it was a it was a lot of fun. There were a lot of weird. Uh, ups and downs emotionally. Um, but, and I did want to tell a quick story. I was telling you before we started recording about my, my uncle, Steve, yeah, who, uh, I hadn't talked to in years. I have, I had a very clear idea in my mind of who Steve was. Uh-huh. He's, I would say 300, 350 pounds. He's a big guy. He lives in Atlanta so he's got, you know, a, a, a cadence, uh-huh. certainly. Um, he's sort of a self, he has a fair amount of money, uh, by basically building up a business, um, which he immediately sold once, uh, my aunt, his wife, uh, got cancer. Um, he just sold everything off and, you know, he's, he's going to be fine. But his whole thing was like, I don't want to be responsible for a business when my wife has cancer because you never know what might happen. I'm just going to be there for her. So it's kind of awesome. Okay, stand up guy. Yeah. He's, he's a really great guy. And, but the, uh, but when you listen to him, uh-huh. you have a very clear idea of who he is and he's not that. Yeah. And so you think, so you think he's going to throw you all kinds of curveballs. You don't expect you know, just a guy with a, just a very kind of down home thing. You don't, you don't expect the words Leonard Cohen to come out of his mouth, <laughs> uh, or Jonah Hill. Uh, right. it's very strange. Um, and talking about how much he but likes specifically like the Oscar nominated works of Jonah Hill. Yeah. He mentioned that- Moneyball and, and Wolf of Wall. I asked him about Wolf of Wall Street, right. but, um, but then he also has, I took the time to memorize a couple of his phrases. Uh, uh-huh. 
which I will now say for you. Oh, right. Okay. So he was talking about this show, uh, Longmire, which okay. I'd heard good things about. It's on Netflix right now. I added it to my queue based on what he was telling me about. Um, and he was talking about the lead actor, who I believe is Australian. And he's like, you know what? He goes, I tell you, if this guy is not the next Clint Eastwood, my name is Deputy Dog. And my name is not Deputy Dog. <laughs> isn't, that the, isn't that the best? Oh, yeah. I'm filing that one away myself. Yeah. I, I love it. Was, it was good already. Uh-huh. I like the follow up. <laughs> yeah. He's like, and in case you didn't know, <laughs> I know we, I know we, have, we haven't seen each other for a while. <laughs> My name is Steve, not deputy dog. So that was one. And then the other, he was talking about uh, one of his favorite hobbies is going jeeping. Okay. I don't know uh, what that uh, is. I mean, just taking a Jeep and driving it off road uh, uh, or up treacherous mountain trails. Okay. And seeing, seeing, uh, crash trucks, at the bottom of these trails. Okay. So he was talking about, uh, he, yeah, it sounds horrifying. It's like Everest. It's like Everest. Yeah. Um, and so he was, uh, talking about driving it, it, up this one horrible trail. It was foggy. Like it, it sounded horrible and it was getting dark and then it got dark and he, he was, and there were no stars because it was a little bit foggy. Uh-huh. So he's like, he goes, I couldn't see anything. He goes, it was blacker than homemade sin. <laughs> I, 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 Again, I am filing that one away. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's a new one to me. Yeah. Blacker than homemade sin. First off, there's not, I, you don't often describe something as like degrees of blackness. Yeah. Uh, at least not in a way that you're comfortable with. And so, um, <laughs> But yeah, homemade sin. Yeah. Like you're just brewing it in your basement, just oh, stirring Lord. it around like uh, Macbeth. And so, uh, so that was, that was a great deal of fun, but also, and there are times when, and so, uh, my mom wanted Jen to take some family photos cause it's entirely possible. This group of people will not be getting together again for a while. Yeah. Uh, if ever again, because there are a couple of old, uh, older folks and, it might not, you know, another 15 years might not right. uh, see them still around. I hate to put it in those terms, but. And you're all pretty far flung. Yeah, right? ex- absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so Jen orchestrated these photos and there, and it was like, it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of laughter, but then at one point, uh, in the, so then we went to, to eat and then afterwards we went to, <clears throat> at my grandmother's request this is actually why she was going to missouri uh going to my father's grave and her son's grave uh which she had not been to since the funeral right and so what i so we all knew that what we didn't know is that she wanted everybody to come with her so this was like a family affair and so we're all standing there watching her and my mom and and uh my aunt my my dad's sister um watching them all standing at the grave and crying quite a bit it was tough it was tough to watch right and then my grandmother came and hugged me and she was crying into my shoulder and that got me going of course Mm -hmm. so and then from there we went home and actually right before uh uh, a dog had wandered into our garage and we saw that at a collar and we thought well we we will figure out where this dog belongs afterwards because right now because the sun is going down and we've got to go to the cemetery because the next day was going to be raining so so we got home. It's like, all right, we got to figure out what to do with this dog. Uh-huh. 
So we uh, drove around to various houses and through a, I got to say some, some, uh, some not, it's not a crime, but like we, some, some pretty great detective work. Uh-huh. We found who this dog belonged to um, because one neighbor said, who, you, I tell you who you should talk to is this person over here. Uh-huh. who takes walks all the time. If anybody knows who this dog belongs to, it's this person. We went to them and they said, well, I don't know. Who, I don't recognize the dog, but I did see a yellow tracker tracker being a small type of Jeep. Okay. Um, I happen to know that cause they're popular in Southern Missouri for a while. Um, I did see a yellow tracker a few hours ago, driving very slowly and honking. They seem to be looking for something. And then my sister-in-law said, you know what? I think when we drove in, I saw a yellow tracker pulling into a driveway that had like big stacks of wood. Uh-huh. And so we went driver. We went looking for a driveway with big stacks of wood. We finally found it. We, we drive into, we drive into the house. Sure enough, there in the garage, the yellow tracker, we knock on the door. It's this older, very nice older couple. You can tell immediately it's them because they're uh-huh. panicky. They're very like, they come to the door like in a, in a, in a rush. Uh-huh. And, so we say, Hey, did you lose a dog? I'm like, yes, we did. And they start crying. And so we follow, they follow us to our house. Uh, the dog is thrilled to see them. So that was my, and then we, then we played Pictionary. Um, so that was my Thanksgiving. This is all, a movie essentially. Yeah. It's all over the place. Okay, you could write a movie about this. And so I didn't mean to go into that much detail, but just, that's okay. I got nothing to talk about today. Okay. <laughs> um, but it got me, it, and you say it, it could be a movie. Obviously you're saying that because of the discussion yeah. that we're about to have, I know but, what I'm doing. but it is, yeah, this is <laughs> not my first I've been doing this for, uh, I'm going to say 10,000 hours. <laughs> um, but, uh, but it did, it did get me thinking that like, if there were only, if it was just me, my mom, her husband, and Jen, or even two more people, this wouldn't be quite the same. It really did have to be, like you said, this far-flung thing. Jen and I come from California. My brother and his wife come from Denver. Yeah. Uh, we have somebody coming from Atlanta, Nashville, all to this one place. And people, some people haven't seen each other before. Other people have a fine relationship, not a bad one, but they, there's, there are, there's history sometimes. Um, and there's just a dynamic that I never understood when I was a kid. I would watch episodes of Seinfeld where he's dealing with, where like somebody's dealing with their family. Uh And I would view that emotionally as a welcome reprieve from when they're dealing with strangers because like, yeah, yeah, it's awkward when you deal with family, but at least you know them. And as I have gotten older, I get it because you have to keep that. You have to keep these relationships up, right? No matter what somebody says, no matter what somebody does, there is an expectation that you have to forgive this person. And unlike the relationships you have with your current friends, mm-hmm. relationships with family are often formed and defined by who you used to be. No question. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like your friends know you. Yeah. Your family hasn't seen you in 15, 15 years. No, at best the you of 15 years ago. And maybe even they still think of you as the you, you were, you were a kid or something. Like yeah, that. Abso- yeah. It's, 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 it's the past positive, negative, whatever. It's all there. And here's, here's an interesting thing. So it's, it's been in my, in my family, it's been pretty widely acknowledged that I have, that I'm looking more and more like my dad every day and my brother as well, but I especially, cause I have a similar uh, body type. And so 
but that's not a, that's that's just been kind of a foregone conclusion. But when you when there are people you haven't seen in fifteen years, right? That gets mentioned. It gets mentioned a lot. I'm sure. Yeah. And I don't really. I'm not in a position to talk about my dad that often unless I go out of my way to do so. So suddenly I have my aunt and uncle talking about like, not only do you look like him, but also he would have been very proud of you and that sort of thing. And she's like, I haven't thought like this in a long time. And so it forces you to think and feel about things that used to be, um, or at least used to be used to do in a more regular way. And so all of this culminated in this idea of, there's something about the holidays, which is, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, that section where families come together. They don't do it for Fourth of July. You won't come from states away to hang right. out with your family for Fourth of July. Like there's something about this particular section uh, of the year. Um, and I'm so you know what I could say Hanukkah as well. I apologize for uh, just yeah that th- does actually, they're all they're all right. crammed when, when in there. When we say the holidays, that does include Hanukkah. Yeah. And I believe I wish I knew more about Kwanzaa. I don't. Neither do I. Um, I believe it's around the same time. Um, I don't don't know. So, sorry, everybody. Uh, I don't mean... I apologize for being so ignorant. So, um, so there's just something unique about that. And there are movies that that deal with that. There are plenty of movies about families getting together for something, you know, a funeral, a wedding, that kind of thing. But there's something about the holidays where there's no ceremony. Everybody's there. There's no new additions nor are there any subtractions, right? It's just, everyone's there and they all, you're absolutely right. They all carry this history with them and they can either talk about it or not talk about it. But no matter what they do, they're all feeling the same thing. Yeah. And uh, I'll say the one and only movie that I thought to put on my list when you (laughs) suggested this, uh, is a movie that I know that I'm a huge fan of. I know you like, and your wife is also a huge fan of this yeah. movie. It's called home for the holidays. That is the one that sparked this. Yes. Good. It's uh, directed by Jodie Foster. That's right. And starring Holly Hunter, Robert Downey Jr. Charles S. Durning. You're thinking of Charles Durning, not Charles, Charles S. Dutton. Yeah. Sorry. I got so. it. Yeah. Charles Durning. Um, I'm trying to remember who plays the sister. She's a great uh, actress that I'm trying I to feel, I I feel terrible. I yes. Her name now. Uh, her husband is Steve Gutenberg and Bancroft is in it. Geraldine, uh, Chaplin is in it. Um, Claire Danes. It's, uh, Dylan McDermott. It's a pretty yeah. great cast. Oh yeah. Dylan McDermott. Yeah. I'm just kicking myself that I can't think of this woman who's so great and so much stuff. Cynthia Stevenson is her. Yes. Name. Yes. And um, she's, yeah. and she's great in the movie as well. Um, yeah. also a young Claire Danes. I just said that. Uh, sorry. It was cause I was looking this I up. Know, I know. Um, but uh, I wanted to mention the Claire Danes. I remember watching this movie with my mom when I was younger. Cause I, I used to watch this movie so, so much. It's, it's something I used to rent from the, this is a lot of weird, like kid I was mm-hmm. that I would multiple times would going to the grocery store video counter with my mom would pick up home for the holidays <laughs> because it's such a, an uh, excellently rewatchable movie. Uh, although it does start with a rusted root song, which always kind of like throws me cause I'm not a big rusted root fan. I can, I can remember it as she's touching up a painting in yeah. Chicago, I believe yes, right? that's, a, yes. that's her job. Yes. She okay. touches up paintings. Yes. Uh, and it's a, that song kind of annoys me cause I know her, her boss played by Austin Pendleton. Um, is that right? It's yes. Been a while. Um, but the, uh, <laughs> I remember watching this movie with my mom and the, as Holly Hunter is leaving her Claire Danes, her teenage daughter drops mm-hmm. her off at the airport. And as she like, as Holly Hunter has gotten out of the car at this point, and Claire Danes is like, Oh, I forgot to tell you my boyfriend. And I talked about it and we think we're ready and we're going to have sex. And then like drives away. I remember laughing really hard at that mom being like, you will not find that funny when you're a parent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's very possible. Um, yeah. And so 
Yeah, there are a number of of other movies, but I think one of the reasons at home for the holidays sticks out to me is because it's Thanksgiving. Often it's Christmas, uh, but home for the holidays is very much Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's weird that there there aren't a lot of Thanksgiving movies. Yeah, because and I'm trying to think, you know, so we're talking about movies, but I feel like we're going to stray into larger things as we have this discussion. One of them is why do you think that is? What is the difference between Christmas, like culturally, what is the difference? And familiarly, familiarly, I guess you could say, what is the difference between Thanksgiving and Christmas? Can you that that would allow more Christmas movies than Thanksgiving? I don't know. Uh, I honestly don't know what it is. I mean, I know that Thanksgiving, because it's less commercial, has less of a space in the shared culture because there aren't, you know, it, it's not being advertised to us. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's not uh, true. You know, the reason that we see Christmas decorations and Christmas songs before Thanksgiving is because companies, stores and whoever stand to make more money off of Christmas than right. Thanksgiving. You've really got, unless you sell, you know, turkeys and sweet potatoes, uh, yeah. you don't have a lot of investment in Thanksgiving. Um, so, but I'm not sure why there aren't as many movies about it because it seems like it should be, uh, right for that sort of thing. Yeah. And you know what there are, um, is a lot of TV episodes about Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. You know, and like, y- yes, you would definitely know more about that than I do. Okay. But I, uh, you know, m- most like long running sitcoms or even dramas have done at least one, if not a yearly Thanksgiving episode, mm-hmm. you know, because it, you know, I talked on the movie journal a couple weeks ago, about, um, you know, overstating for hyperbole, but saying that all television shows are about family in one way or another. Um, and Thanksgiving really lends itself to that because it is, uh, I mean, every episode of a TV show is kind of like Thanksgiving because everyone's gathered (laughs) together all the time. And, uh, there's been a lot of, uh, um, uh, a rich history of that. As far as why there are fewer movies, I really don't know. I, I, I don't know. It seems like it should be so right. I, I think so too, because there you have people that are gathering together. When you think of Christmas as okay, there's opening presents and yeah, yeah. you get together and eat, but there's, but presents I think, and the, the, the idea of sitting around the tree and everybody is exchanging gifts and opening presents. Everybody might be gathered around, but there's no guarantee that people will be talking with one another while they're opening presents. Right. In fact, that probably won't be happening. Everybody's kind of, and even though it can bond to people like, Oh, this person gave me a great present. Uh, you know, it'll often just manifest itself as, Oh, thank you so much. This is just what I wanted or just right. what I needed. Or the person's like, is it okay? Does it, f- will it fit? You know, I've got the receipt, you know, whatever it is. Um, whereas Thanksgiving, the nature of it is, we're all getting together um, to do this very communal thing. Everything about, and yes, I guess there's the idea of, you know, a big part of Thanksgiving that I don't care about, so I don't think about it, is football, getting together and watching football. Yeah, um, it's not. But even then, you know, the two people, you know, the the two or three or however many people can talk about, oh, this team is great or that team is great. And even that, even though that can be seen as superficial communication, it isn't, you know, that there's, there's a bond and a communal love of this thing. And yeah, I, I don't understand why there aren't, I, when you look at home for the holidays, like that's, yeah, that like that, that to me is the essence of what a Thanksgiving movie could be. Yeah. Even though it, I mean, the family doesn't entirely get along the whole time. There's yeah. uh, a lot of 
verbal fisticuffs and some actual fisticuffs yeah. that take place in the movie. Uh, but yeah, you, there's such a sense of, um, family history, uh, in, in that movie and that family, that thing of like, it's sort of like what we were talking about before, because these people are family and not mm-hmm. friends. All, no matter how many awful truths are revealed or things that had been thought forgotten brought yeah. up or how many uh, punches are thrown or whatever, at the end of it, they're still going to be family. And next year, this is still going to be... It's either going to happen again or they're going to have yeah. uh, a clean slate to try and make it go a little better. Yeah. There's that There's that sense of they can, to a certain extent, you can say or do anything and it's not going to end the relationship here. Yeah, I mean, it, it could. There's always a possibility. But it, to me, one of the reasons that, that the script for Home for the Holidays is so sharp has to do with the Cynthia Stevenson character who we see... She and her husband as uptight, humorless, and all this kind of stuff. Because, well, our protagonist is Holly Hunter. And there's an exchange between the two of them where... Now, when Cindy Stevenson's on the uh, exercise bike? Yeah. Yeah. Or... um, might have been like a stairmaster or something like that. But yeah, anyway, yeah, it's a weirdly, <laughs> this is such a, like that the Cynthia Stevenson on an, on an exercise bike is one of the highlights of the movie. It's such a, yeah. like it's, I don't want to say low key. It's such a tuned in movie. Yeah. That small moments feel huge just the way they would in this amplified Thanksgiving familial gathering setting. Yeah. And just, and, and everybody, sometimes people have to sort of retreat to the thing that brings them cuff, comfort, and that's the thing that brings her comfort. Right. So say what the scene is. I, I cut you off. So it's after a lot of the stuff has happened, and so Holly Hunter's talking with Cynthia, Cynthia Stevenson, and even though her character, you know, she talks about uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character is gay, mm-hmm. and so she's not she's not socially comfortable with it. She might be, she might be okay with it, uh, in, in, on an individual basis, but she certainly doesn't like the idea that people know she has a gay brother. So that, that certainly right. makes her look a very specific way, especially, uh, now as opposed to like 94, 95. 95. Yeah. Um, but the, I, when she talks about, you know, you and I believe the character's name is Tommy, like you go off to your lives and I'm just here taking care of our parents. Uh-huh. I don't have the freedom to be the fun, free spirit you guys are because someone had to do this. Yeah. And, and in that moment, the, again, the, the maturity of this, in that moment you realize, oh, she feels exactly the same way about her family that Holly Hunter does. If you were to shift this around and she's the protagonist, the responsible one who has to be the anchor while managing her own children yeah. and have, and trying to have a good relationship with her husband and trying to k- take care of her parents. And then her, her siblings just breeze on in and judge her for being so uptight. Then you could wheel around and it can be Robert Downey Jr.'s movie who is who's gay and is and is open about that. And his family seems supportive, but you know that there's kind of an undercurrent of not. Mm -hmm. And that's and 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 oddly enough, the sort of the the person to declare the themes in the film is Dylan McDermott, who talks about and Jen, it has become a sort of uh, 
shorthand for Jen and I, whenever we're with family or whatever, in which he says, uh, he says, bogey, bogey, par, par. <laughs> and he talks about when he asks his father, how are you doing? Uh-huh. His father will say, bogey, bogey, par, par. <laughs> and he's just like, he's like, I, I don't care about golf, uh-huh. but my dad does. And that's how he speaks. And he's like, and we just sit there frustrated that we don't really know each other that well. He goes, and I feel like that. And I have no doubt that he feels like that too. Talking at each other, wondering why we can't completely connect. Yeah. And it's such a, this, this episode is not meant to me. be, this episode is not meant to be like a love letter to home for the holidays, but that oh, is the, that is the what movie. I'm naming the episode though. Oh, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, um, that reminds me though yeah. of one of my favorite scenes from the, uh, underappreciated four season running, uh, drama, dramedy, Ed, oh, okay. Tom Cavanaugh. And, um, and now I'm forgetting, uh, drawing a blank on the guy who played his best friend. Why am I drawing a blank? Um, anyway, his father-in-law, his, his in-laws came to visit them for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And he, um, he was telling Ed, he was like, this guy, my father-in-law never starts a conversation with me. He never, yeah. he never says a single word. Unless I say it first. So he was like, this Thanksgiving, I'm going to wait him out. So it becomes like the C plot, like the runner of the episode yeah. of Mike, the character, just like looking at his father-in-law and his father-in-law. And, that. and finally it's the end of the episode and they're, his mother-in-law is like putting the stuff in the car and they're just sitting on the couch, staring straight ahead, not talking to one another. And the, uh, the older, the old man says, uh, boy, that internet sure is something. <laughs> and Mike goes, yes, yes, the internet sure is something. And that's his, that's his little victory. Uh, that show was so great. That was a good show. I, yeah. And I hadn't even seen that much of it, but I, I do, I do enjoy its tone and yeah. its goofiness. Um, yeah. And, and even that exchange, the idea of, I have to be with this person <laughs> And you know what? For too long, our, our uh, relationship has been on their terms. And you know what? It's going to be on mine. And it's, it's this weird little, it can be, it can be, I don't mean to speak this way about everybody, obviously, but like it can be this weird little battleground where it's a mixture of, I need to see, I need to relate to you where you are while also reminding you where I am. Yeah. Um, and none of us can hurt each other except, okay. Like, one thing about home for the holidays uh, that I really enjoy is, uh, Anne Bancroft. One of the first thing that she, first things that she says to Holly Hunter is it's like, well, I'm sure you've noticed that your father's getting awfully fat these days. <laughs> um, and I'll say this, here's an, here's an interaction I had a few days ago with my grandma, my mom's mom where, and I guess you got to take it for the compliment that it is. Uh-huh. Uh, my grandma's like, Oh, you look so good. And I was like, Oh good. She's like, I was worried you're going to be fat. <laughs> and I was like, well, then they go. Good yeah. I was, I was like, well, yeah, I guess I'm not, you know? <laughs> and even though I've put on a little bit of weight over the last few years, uh, according to my grandma, I'm not fat. Here's how I know she would have said it, <laughs> you know, uh, she doesn't have much of a filter in 91. And so, and that's, and in that moment I could have gotten angry. I could have gotten offended and said something, but in the end, so much of it just boils down to, 
you pick your battles who cares you know um it's family and it is not worth having this argument over but so real quick because this isn't going to be all thanksgiving because it can't be because there's so few thanksgiving yeah i'm looking up a list of thanksgiving movies and there's a lot that like okay like rocky has part of it take does take place around thanksgiving it's not a thanksgiving movie um the two big ones i think that came up are planes, trains, and automobiles, which is not what we're talking about yeah. because he's not, with not his so family. much about family. Uh, and then there's a unfortunately not very good movie called Pieces of April, uh, which is Katie Holmes being. It's essentially it's the inverse of Home for the Holidays, where yeah. the Holly Hunter character instead of going home, her family decides to come to her like mm-hmm. fourth floor walk up, uh, you know, apartment in New York, and she's going to make uh, Thanksgiving dinner for them. Do you remember that? I do. There, and you know what. I wonder if, and I agree with you, it's not that good, though it has its, from, there are some performances in there that are great. I believe Patricia Clarkson was nominated for her only Oscar for this film. Oh, is that For right? supporting actress. Yeah, it's got a great cast, because then it's got Oliver, Oliver Platt, Platt yeah. um, um, Derek Luke plays the boyfriend. That's right. Um, Sean Hayes from Will and Grace is one of the neighbors. Yeah. And then who's the other neighbor who actually teaches her how to cook? Uh, I do not recall, but I remember liking that part. Yeah. Um, and you know what, but here's what I was going to say. Yeah. It's not perfect. There's a lot of things that I don't like. I don't like the way the filmmakers treat Derek Luke as a weird red herring that like, Oh, because he's the black boyfriend. It's set up like, wait till the parents get a load of this. Is that what you're saying? Well, and also you see him like doing some kind of shady dealings oh, that that's day. Right. And then it turns out reveal that oh no he was just uh trying to get like the perfect turkey or whatever horse shit um yeah. or a certain present or, or a, certain, a certain kind of thing that would contribute to the day but the filmmakers it's almost like the filmmakers are are like crossing their arms and, and peering at you over their glasses as if to say what did you think he was doing and it's like that's i bright. thought he was doing what you wanted me to think he was doing you manipulative asshole yeah that's um, true that, yeah, that movie is definitely uh a problematic that's um, a great but but oh, real quick the um the neighbor who teaches how to cook is isaiah whitlock jr i just didn't really know who he was then. oh yeah 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 um and so the but the thing is i wonder if i were to watch pieces of april now would part of it would part of it still uh, ring truer for me? Because what you have is you have Katie Holmes' character inviting her family over so that they can see how legitimately adult she is. Right. I haven't seen Pieces of April since I was, I believe I was in college. Yeah, it's and, what, 2003? The movie? Yeah. Like and so I was still, in the eyes of you know, my family undoubtedly, I was still very much a kid. Yeah. And so, but now I am an adult and... The, and I do feel this com, this this compunction compunction is that the word uh, compulsion compulsion do you feel compelled sure why not okay compunction I don't think that's a word <laughs> I could look it up oh well, we could just fine. move on um, but I feel this 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 need to prove that no I'm a I'm a full grown up I got myself a house. I got a, I've got a wife of 10 years. I've got a job. Uh, I'm a, I'm a regular person, (laughs) you know, uh, as they would say. So, um, okay. (laughs) Listener contest. If you know what movie Tyler is referencing when he says I'm a regular person, um, email us and we'll give you an attaboy. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, so I feel like pieces of April because there's this desperation. Now 
so much around the desperation is really convoluted and and or super contrived. Uh, compunction is a word, but it does not mean what you were using. Damn it! Mean. What does it mean? Oh, I have already closed it. Um, what, did you think I wasn't going to ask? I thought maybe off air. Uh, compunction, a feeling of uneasiness or anxiety of the conscience caused by regret for doing wrong or causing pain. Contrition, remorse. Well, I knew there was a reason I knew that word because all of that does apply to me most of the time, uh-huh. but it does not apply in this in this situation. But so the film does have a there's a desperation to the lead character and even though there's a lot of craziness and it's overly complicated but there's also a lot of contrivances around that i wonder if i as a as an adult now would watch that and at least understand the emotional core to it um but i'm not sure i'm not sure um so and i believe well should we move on doesn't the ice storm take place at thanksgiving you know what you're right but i haven't seen that in so long yeah um that's a, also, that's a great movie, by the way. It's, I, I don't know if listeners have seen it, but, but it also doesn't kind of feel, it, it feels like it doesn't really, uh, fit into the, what we're talking about here because they spend, because it separates them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. That's uh, true. It separates them into like the adults and the kids. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know that that, uh, that it is a family gathering movie like we're talking about. Right. Um, now, um, we so can I move on to Christmas. Yeah. I think that's it for me for Thanksgiving. And so. we can talk about, the um the the perfect christmas family gathering movie home for home for the holidays turned on its head okay and that's of course the ref directed by ted demi i do have it written down here yes uh and that is a movie that i that i love um even though i don't know i've i've revisited it and it doesn't hold up like i used i used to watch that one all the time too and some of it is a bit um uh, a little bit over the top at times now when i watch it like in a way that uh sure uh, i think doesn't it doesn't hold its center uh, as much. But for those who don't know what the ref is about, uh, Dennis Leary plays a uh, burglar, I guess, yeah. on the run who decides to hole up in a, um, I guess, suburban family Christmas gathering and take yeah. them hostage uh, while he waits for the heat to die down, I guess. But he manages to kidnap, uh, in some ways, maybe the most dysfunctional family of all time, but in other ways, uh, a family that is perfectly commonly dysfunctional. Maybe I think as right. part of the part of the movie's point is the like every other movie is about how the suburbs are full of dysfunction. Yeah, uh, this is that the, uh, Kevin Spacey and uh, Judy Davis play um, uh, 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 the, your standard dysfunctional bickering suburban couple. The the difference being with the ref is there's no subtext. <laughs> Everything they feel, they say. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. But it, it, I kind of get the impression. Maybe I'm. Maybe Which I'm might projecting be why you think it's over the top. I apologize. But maybe I'm projecting this onto the movie that I feel like this is stuff that if it weren't for the premise of, um, you know, their armed captor, this yeah. stuff might have stayed under the surface. But this was the. Sure. Th- this was the catalyst for um, stuff that has probably been simmering for the past dozen Christmas gatherings to all come to the surface. And do you feel the way, the way I do about it, that when you watch it, you're just like, man, just get Dennis Leary out of there. And this is a great movie. Like <laughs> there is some of that. Yeah. Because honestly, while he does have a very specific on-screen presence that I think is very effective at times, when you've got Kevin Spacey and Judy Davis, right? You get out of the way and just let, and, and the film definitely lets it be about them for a while. And then you realize, Oh shoot. There's this, they're not even the protagonist. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do feel like there's one thing that I, that I really remember because it, again, when these movies get it right, 
I feel like there's this, even though there's the specific thing that we go back to all the time is the ideas of, uh, specificity somehow is more recognizable. Right. Yeah. Like someone could have a situation that is miles away from mine, but, but I look at them like, I get that because it's dealing with a deeper emotional truth. But anyway, um, but the, uh, the part where Kevin Spacey's mom is, she's just really over the top and really histrionic and stuff like that. And at one point he goes, you know what, mom, next year for Christmas, I'm going to get you a big cross. And anytime you feel unappreciated, you can nail yourself to it. (laughs) And it's, and the thing is like, it's very, it's funny, but you really feel, and Kevin Spacey, I think on his best days has the ability to do this, be funny and be as cutting and as biting. Yeah. And with an undercurrent of pain, uh, as, as anything I've ever seen, um, I feel like there's a reason that he, he that he was d- worked well with, uh, Eugene O'Neill material, uh-huh. you know? Um, so, uh, oh, sorry. My, uh, my neighbor with the horrible garage door is leaving. So, <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like those plants from Harry Potter that when you rip them out of the soil, they scream. <laughs> I don't know if the listeners could even hear it, but that's what it sounds like. like I needed earmuffs for that. So, um, but like that, that little thing, it's so much of the ref is this idea of imagine you could say, or imagine you did say all the stuff to your relatives that you wanted to. Yeah. But here, and this is where I, where I get into home for the holidays mode is yeah, but then they have to say all this stuff to you too. Yeah. <laughs> and are you ready for, do you really think, like, do you think you're the only sane one in the midst of a bunch of lunatics? No, I don't think so. Yeah. You're well, just one more of these. That's why my, my favorite character in the ref is the character played by Adam LaFerve is the actor's name. And he's the brother-in-law who's, he is the one who doesn't have anything. He doesn't, he, he's not mean or crazy or anything. He's yeah. like the completely milk toast guy. Yeah. And he has my favorite line in the entire movie, which is when Kevin Spacey after at this point, over an hour of just cutting remarks and, and you know, in front of everyone, just being in each other's throats and uh, arguing, they announce that they're getting a divorce. And Adam LaFer goes, why? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's marvelous. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, there are a number of other, uh, I mean, there's a bunch of, uh, Christmas movies. There's one that I've, he- I've heard is terrible, but I feel like if it were good, it would fit. I haven't seen it. Is it four Christmases? It's four Christmases. Yeah. I haven't seen it either. The idea of, I wanted it to be good because it's directed by the guy who made the King of Kong. Oh, okay. I don't think I knew uh, that. Seth Gordon. Is that his name? That sounds right. Um, and the idea of, okay, children of divorce, and they've got four families to go to and eat and they have to, they have to navigate the emotional minefield of each one. That sounds great. Right. But apparently that's just, everything gives way to just silliness and, and all yeah. that. And it's just like, there's a, and, there's a good movie to be made from that premise. And it seems like there just should be some natural comedy on the pairing of Vince Vaughn, who is eight feet tall and we've yeah. a spoon who is three and a half feet tall. Yeah. At the very least, just, it, just every 15 minutes he's like, Hey, where are you? <laughs> Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, that, uh, that Seth Gordon guy, he made the King of Kong, which is great. And then he made four Christmases and horrible bosses and identity thief. And then a whole lot of sitcom, uh, work. Horrible bosses isn't terrible. Identity thief really has its moments. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, 
so throwing out a, a few others, um, you know, it's, it's actually, I don't think National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is that good, actually. Okay. It was great when we were kids. Yeah, yeah. But you watch it again, it's I, I pretty, I haven't. it's pretty broad, um, which is, you know, to be expected. Uh, but every once in a while you get some, some nice moments and, and you have, again, I feel like maybe an, one of the, maybe, and I can't, I can't speak to this specifically, but I feel like a common story beat in these will be everything just culminates in someone is yelling at someone else or there's just a complete breakdown. Um, you know, with, with home for the holidays, a lot of what it is, um, is it leads to somebody I think is trying to like cut the Turkey and it winds up in the lap of Cynthia Stevenson and people are laughing. And then she just like freaks out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the, the explosion actually doesn't come from the main character. It comes from the person who's probably the most tightly wound and, and maybe feels, and that's, and I think in that moment, that's when you realize, Oh, right. In the right circumstances, she could be the main character because the world is doing stuff to her and now, and now she's reacting. But anyway, um, but in Christmas vacation, you have this guy who he wants it to be the perfect Christmas. His family's coming into town his wife's family's coming into town and he's got cousins and having to navigate each specific person. Now I think one thing that happens is that cousin Eddie becomes a very, his presence sort of overshadows everybody else, um, which is understandable. He's pretty funny, but the, uh, but when, all these things go wrong and you have this guy who just wants everything to be just right. And then he finally goes crazy. And I remember I, I want to try and get the line right. I don't have it in front of me. When he's like, he goes, he goes, and when Santa Claus crams his fat ass down the chimney, he's going to see the hap, hap, happiest bunch of assholes since, uh, Oh my gosh, who is it? Since, uh, Bing Crosby danced with Danny fucking K. <laughs> Uh, that's it's a Bing Crosby. Uh, it's, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Okay. Um, but what I do remember about that movie, um, that is a part of the holidays for a lot of people is that part of the conflict of that movie is his company deciding not to give Christmas bonuses that yeah. just something they've relied on, which for as goofy a movie as it is, is actually a really relevant, uh, bit of sort of, uh, middle-class economic anxiety that I think sure. is, um, not something that would have, to me as a kid seeing that that's just like uh, i don't know that's part of the screenplay whatever like i'm right. not thinking about it but now i think about not i don't get christmas bonuses because we you know live in an era when that's already a thing of the past yeah um but the idea of not having enough money for christmas time is yeah. definitely something that you know is an anxiety i can relate to now absolutely absolutely and even though even though he has already he's basically spent the bonus on right. something that's not inherently Christmassy, which is he it's putting in a swimming pool. But, um, right. but yeah, it's, there's definitely, there definitely is, is that. And, um, and I think that is what, I think it's the discovery that he's not getting cr- the Christmas bonus that throws him. Right. Uh-huh. He gets a subscription to the jelly of the month club or something like that. Um, right. and, uh, yeah, I think that's what, what throws him off. And that is, a that's a thing that I feel like doesn't get talked about enough is the, I mean, certainly you have 
plenty of Christmas movies that uh, talk about commercialism and that sort of thing. But I would, but it's almost always in a Grinch situation where right. it's all very vague and not vague, but just a uh, heightened and, and that sort of thing. Whereas there's a specificity, even though it's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, there's a uh, you're right a specificity to. Hey, we're all expected to spend a lot of money. Yeah, and. And what if you don't have it? That's definitely something that I think a lot of Christmas movies intentionally avoid because Christmas movies are trying to generally fam- family oriented Christmas movies are trying to uh, capture a certain feel. And that yeah. uh, even though that's just as much a part of the holiday as, you know, eggnog and shit. Yeah, uh, it's not the pleasant part of the holiday. Right. You know, and if you're making a movie that's a Christmas movie about uh, financial anxiety um, and stress, uh, that's not going to be it's not going to end up on lists of like what movies to watch with your family. This, yeah. this Yuletide and among, along those lines, I, oh, I don't have the director's name in mind. A Christmas tale. Um, a Christmas tale. Yes. Uh, are no in. Yes, that's right. De, probably Desplechin. Probably. Yes. Okay. Uh, have you seen it? No, I never have. It's really great. I mean, it's hard to, it's, you know, it's, I guess we're not talking about movies that are Christmas movies or Thanksgiving movies, but movies about a family families at, you know. at, the, at the holidays. Yeah. And this one is very much, uh, I mean, it, it's aside from home for the holidays. This one I think probably fits the best, um, because it's a drama. There's mm-hmm. moments of humor in there, but it's just the kind of humor that you encounter in, in everyday life. Um, there's people who, aren't, haven't been talking to each other, but they're trying to make a go of it. There's a desire for forgiveness, a desire for reconciliation, but people just can't let that happen. And it's, it's a wonderfully acted film, a very well written film. And just the idea. And one thing that I really like is that, uh, this family lives in a fairly large house. Um, and when you have, I would say, cause when I was a kid, there was uh, when we would have Christmas, there'd probably be like 12 people there. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you've got 12 people, except for when you're eating and when you're opening presents, you're not all going to be in the same place. And so well, you go from to someone who came from Christmases of <laughs> yeah, more than two dozen people. Yeah. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. yeah a very Catholic Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And so the idea of you go from room to room and it just, each one has a different <laughs> vibe to it. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, oh, oh no, I'm, I walked into the bad room. Okay. I got to go to the good one. There was an episode, uh, real quick before I, and then I'll let you get back to that. There was an episode of empire last season. that did a flashback to either a Thanksgiving or a Christmas gathering that felt so authentic because it was like before they'd made all their money mm-hmm. and they had a, like a house on Chicago or on the South side or whatever. Um, no, I guess it was the shoots in Chicago, but I guess it's New York, uh, in the, in the show. And it showed like some people at the table, but then there's also some people who have, TV trays because there's not enough room at the table yeah. for everybody. Some people are eating their their Christmas dinner uh, TV trays and other chairs around the living room. That felt very authentic uh, to me. Uh, well, it's my experience. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, th- there is a common cultural phrase, which is the kids' table. Right. Like, yeah. I think that spe- I think that comes from holidays, right? Yeah. There's yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, all the kids are going to sit together, so. They're going to have their own stupid kid conversation. We, the adults are going to be over here. And, uh, and it's the perfect metaphor for life that you spend all your time at the kid's table wanting to be at the adult's table. Yeah. And once you're at the adult's table, you realize you had a lot more fun at the kid's table. Oh yeah. It's just like, (laughs) I just want to talk about Pokemon or something. Um, yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, a Christmas Tale is a is a wonderful film. It's emotionally very draining, but it's you know it's a it's just a really great drama that I think um, that I think rings everything out of this idea that you can that you can. Um, now, one thing that we talked about, even though this is this episode is going to be titled "Home for the Holidays," uh, which heavily implies going somewhere else. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I do also want to talk about a few movies where the family is just together. Um, actually, but bef- you know what? Before I do that, because um, that's a, a, a different section, a movie that feels like it belongs in this, mm-hmm. but doesn't, Okay, is The Royal Tenenbaums. They even use music from A Charlie Brown Christmas, huh. but it doesn't take place at Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, it feels wintry if it, yeah or, or autumnal at least yeah absolutely yeah. um and yet that's it's it does not fit it does not apply yeah that's a good point um but uh so as far as movies of of you know family being together well i mean i guess uh i guess home alone doesn't qualify necessarily it's hard to know exactly where it is but uh you do have a huge family coming together and then going somewhere, uh, yeah. leaving the, the one kid who doesn't really feel like a part of the family, which I feel like, again, uh, I watched home alone a few years ago at Christmas and, uh, that's not great either. <laughs> I still think home alone is just is compulsively watchable. It's watchable. I don't, there, I don't, I'm not going to say it's good, but, uh, it, it just seems to tap into certain like, um, uh, just cause and effect or like anticipation and, uh, release and anticipation and release, yeah. you know, with its, yeah. with its structure. Uh, and I think, uh, John Candy's part in it is, uh, yeah. Uh, way underrated. Oh, absolutely. And cause it has a weird darkness that the rest <laughs> of the movie doesn't get to. Yeah. Is there all day, all day. <laughs> And he was there all day with a corpse. And, and then, then the way he just tosses off his eyes, it's like, you know, a few months he came around, started talking again yeah. and just, man, I, I miss John Candy. Like he, yeah. he had a way of just, I don't know. Do we did a profile on him, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. We should have. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I tell you, uh, so going back and watching these Christmas movies over the last few Christmases, as I have home alone, uh, it is definitely watchable. Um, and there, but it's so schmaltzy and stuff. And, um, and then Christmas vacation doesn't really hold up. I tell you the one that works and it doesn't fit into our discussion right now. The Santa Claus. Okay. I do not I haven't seen that since I was a kid. That one. And I haven't seen either of the sequels. Uh, neither have I. Okay. I've only seen the first one. That one. I, it's, it's not like it's, it's incredibly nuanced or anything like that, but there are, there are some ideas in, the Santa Claus that I have a deeper appreciation for, huh. uh, as I've, as I've gotten older and, and my sense of humor has, has changed. Um, and so, uh, but anyway, that's it, but that doesn't fit in, into this. So, um, are there so, any new year's movies about families? Cause families don't spend new year's together, right? Not really. New year's is when you get, <laughs> it's like, I'm tired of hanging out with these people. I'm going to go out with my friends and get drunk. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. There, there are good New Year's movies, but I don't know that. Uh, yeah, I don't think to do with family. 
Yeah. I, are you a big New Year's person? I've never been. And maybe because I don't drink. Um, but I also like, yeah, I'm not really big on New Year's either. I've had fun the last few years and, um, uh, definitely living in Los Angeles, the existence now of things like Lyft and Uber. Sure. Uh, have really, um, helped, uh, with New Year's, but, um, I don't know. It's not, it's not my favorite time, but we have friends who do a yearly party and it's fun to put on a suit, uh, sure. and go, uh, you know, dance around and, uh, you know, take, they set up like a photo booth in their apartment. Like they make a fun time out of it. Yeah. Okay. That's, that sounds like, like fun. I've never been, I think I've been to a new year's party every once in a while. And I just, I never enjoy it. I just, there's always a, and I think people understand this. There's always a melancholy to new year's Eve for me. Well, that's um, old Lang Syne is like the saddest. Song. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it's, yeah, there it's, there's a mournful quality yeah. to it. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, and I, yeah, I can't, now I can't even think of any new year's Eve movies. I, I believe there is a movie called new year's Eve, but I don't think, uh, it's my kind of movie. No. And I never saw, um, 200 cigarettes, which I think is like a I big did, new year's Eve. Movie. I did see that. Yes. Okay. I couldn't tell you a thing about it cause I was like 98. Um, but I did see that. Yes. You know what else is it that I'm if I hadn't Googled it, I would have forgotten that this even is a new year's Eve movie, but four rooms is a new year's Eve movie. Oh yeah. I would not have remembered that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's true. I haven't seen that in years either. Me either. Um, so a couple other things, just, uh, movies yeah, about, wrap up about family to being together. Okay. Um, maybe not getting together cause they already are together is, uh, uh, it's a wonderful life. Okay. Which is a Christmas movie, but isn't really. Yeah. It takes place at like eyes wide shut. <laughs> it takes place at Christmas. Yeah. And by the, by the way, the similarities do not end there. Um, <laughs> they both end with the same word. Um, <laughs> so can you imagine Jimmy Stewart being like, Hey Mary, you know what we should do anyway? Um, so, but, uh, but it's a wonderful life. That one, it, it does feature. It is very much about family you have him say like, why do we have so many kids? Mm-hmm. And like, there's a economic thing there. There's a frustration there. You have his horrible fucking uncle who ruins everything. <laughs> and just, and, and to me, like there is no, there is no better symbol for like how much family can ruin your life. And yet you have to forgive them. Mm-hmm. Uh, then was it uncle Billy? Yeah. Um, who is, who means well, but it's just like, why would you ever put this man in charge of anything? Oh, right. It's family. You have to treat these people well and they have to treat you well. And it's just, uh, Oh, they should have. And so when he's like berating uncle Billy, Parm's like, damn right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This guy ruined your life and he's going to keep doing it by the way. Yeah. Like not learn a lesson. Yet. Like the town might, might've bailed you out and good for you. He's just going to fuck everything up again. Yeah. That's what uncle Billy does. That's what all the uncle Billy's do. That's what all the uncle Billy's do. Um, so, and then as far as a uh, family being together and staying together, I would say uh, a Christmas story is one that, and there's not a lot of extended family. It's the primary family. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> as far as the night itself and the idea of presents and turkey but then everything going wrong with the 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 bumpuses hounds uh-huh. tearing the turkey apart and the dad just like f- kind of freaking out being like you know what we are going out to eat like 
we're still going to do something. Yeah. We're still going to do something as a family. We're not going to let this ruin our Christmas. Um, even though they wind up going to the most racist Chinese restaurant yeah. in the world. Um, but, uh, and, and also I, I'll say this, um, you know, the character of the old man, Darren McGavin, uh-huh. right? Um, So one thing that one thing that we've been talking about is the the truths that these movies right. get to and the the fun of the old man who we've only seen be temperamental and frustrated and that sort of thing but just the glimmer in his eye when Ralphie has not gotten his BB gun uh-huh. and you just see the dad be like well hang on what's that over there uh-huh. and just like I don't What is that? Ralphie, why don't you go look at that? And it's just like, ah, oh, that's, that feels real to me. Um, just the idea. And it, and it does seem specifically dad like, yeah. especially cause his mom doesn't want him to have it. But just like, it's like, I, I may get frustrated with my stupid job and my leg lamp and the bumpus's dogs, you know, I may be frustrated by all that, but I still, I'm not completely unaware. I know what my kid wants for Christmas and I'm going to get it for him. And, uh, and I, and you know what? And I want him to be a little bit disappointed for a while. (laughs) Um, so, so that he, so that it goes back up. And in that moment, I, 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 I get a little misty in that moment, even though it's, it's a moment of triumph. Uh, but I don't think that moment's meant to really like hit you on a, on a deep level. But, you know, I remember for me, I remember, uh, I wouldn't, I'm not sure if I'd say this is the best Christmas present I ever got, but it's one of the more memorable. Um, and that was, it must've been 1985, six, maybe. I don't know. I was very young and my dad bought for me the Rancor Uh for, and, and I'm sure both my parents uh you know they they both got it for me but they both turned their keys on the yeah exactly exactly but it became very clear that my mom was just like that thing's so ugly (laughs) meanwhile my dad is just like he goes well how does it work here take it out you know and uh and it's like oh you should have him eat that guy you know (laughs) and uh and so i don't know i just i i'm i'm glad we're ending this on kind of a positive note yeah. because we end we started with just like a eh, family. It's a bunch of fucking assholes. And by the way, you're one too. Um, but yeah, it ends with and like, while that's still true, while that is still no question. Absolutely <laughs> true. The old man is probably a verbally abusive <laughs> of his children, but, uh, but there's still a love there and a, and a connectedness that, uh, that I think, and that we're probably missing out on a bunch of movies. Yeah. If, if we are, let us know in the comments. That's what they're for. That's yeah. why we have a website with comments. Come on, you guys. Give it the program. Uh, and yeah, and again, let us know uh, if you know what movie Tyler was referencing when he said, I'm a regular person. So uh, you can find us at battleshippretension.com. That's where you can find this podcast, all the other podcasts, and the BP fleet, and all of the movie reviews and all sorts of other stuff uh, that goes on there at battleshippretension.com. You can email us at david at battleshippretension.com or tyler at battleshippretension.com. You can follow me, David, on Twitter at davypretension. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at tylerpretension. Now you have some of the podcasts. I do. What, what's going on there? Well, there is worth playing for, in which we just talk about uh, Survivor. And this last week, it was a double episode, um, and uh, rather tragic ending to that second one. Uh, the there are a lot of people. That, there are the people that I like, the people I don't like, okay. but then there are people that I was like really rooting for. And the last okay. person I was rooting for 
left died. the game. He died. Yes. <laughs> by, his own, by his own hand. <laughs> the name of the show became literal at this point. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's like, oh, <laughs> he, he was survived by, yeah. uh, you know, Abby <laughs> the rest Maria. Of team, whatever. Um, and then there's also more than one lesson where uh, I believe this week, that's right, yeah, uh, this week we talked about the best picture of 1974, which is The Godfather Part Two. Good stuff. Uh, I like that movie. Going on a limb. Saying that's a good movie. It is. Uh, <laughs> and, and a lot of the discussion is, is it better than the first one and that sort of thing? A lot of, a lot of people say it is. A lot of people say it is, but I haven't yet met anybody that says oh, it is. Yeah. I will always prefer the, but I'm also the guy who would prefer, who prefers uh, a fistful of dollars to the good, the bad and the ugly. There's something about just like the lean and mean uh, sure. nature of that first one that I really like. Not that, I mean, the Godfather is still a very opulent movie, yeah. but um, I do like the more narrow focus of it. Slightly more narrow only me, by comparison to me. It's just like when it comes right down to it, there, the power of Marlon Brando is something that, cannot be replicated right. and he really brings a lot to that first film but anyway sorry we can move on my other podcast is about tv it's called hey watch this with paul and david this week we are talking about the last man on earth which i picked just because there's not a lot airing the week of thanksgiving turned out to be the best episode of the last man on earth since the pilot nice it's a fantastic episode and also we're talking about the walking dead so as of last night i have watched an episode of the walking dead it was it's weird to jump into a show in its sixth season and i have no idea what the hell was going on at all um but i have watched an episode of the walking dead now now i know that this is not going to uh cause people to scamper off to uh hey watch this but uh what'd you think again i don't know okay i don't because i on the one hand there were conversations on the show that i found uh very interesting but a part of me wonders like all right, halfway through the sixth season, are they really just now getting to these conversations uh, about, you know, if every life is precious or are they recycling stuff they've been talking about for five years? That's probably the, I'm going to say 800th time they've had that conversation. See, that was my fear. And I'll talk about that with Paul. And that's actually where I'm going from here. Oh, okay. <laughs> talked about it yet. Um, uh, and also uh, other, my other question, which I will get from Paul, why is that one kid wear that dumb hat? Does he never take off that dumb hat? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Does no one tell him he looks dumb in it? It's his, it's his dad's hat. Okay. Uh, from when he was a sheriff and stuff. And so okay. he started wearing it. It's, it's a symbolic thing. His dad gave it to him when he was very young. Uh, and all the shit started going down as if kind of as a way of saying like, you're a grown up now and you got to be a man. Uh, cause this world is not going to let you be a kid. And so it's, he wears it. It's, there's an emotional thing okay. there. So it doesn't look great on him. It doesn't. Okay. Uh, You'd think he would have grown into it. Somehow not. <laughs> if anything, he's only diminished. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure I have other questions, but mostly it just, uh, I, I, I don't really have much of an opinion on it. All right. So that's uh, Hey, watch this. You, you can hear much more detail about that over there. Uh, and uh, thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 